Before we get started, I want to tell you about one of our awesome new sponsors, Ebles. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, except all those aches and pains that creep up as the weather gets cooler, or God forbid you pull a Clark Griswold while putting up the lights. But what if there's a way to be able to enjoy the cold weather of the holiday season without the associated bodily aches and pains? Well, imagine no further as Evil's CBD Topical Freeze Gel is here to the rescue. Whether it's to help that nagging shoulder injury from sports ball game of yesteryear, or it's to help alleviate those deep aches and pains CBD Topical Freeze Gel from Ebels offers the industry best quality and strength to offer lasting relief from chronic pain. And this holiday season, all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can get that perfect gift to self or stocking stuffer for that fitness fanatic in the family at an exclusive discount at checkout using code TBNS. Again, use code TBNS at checkout to get your discount applied to your order. Listen, the holidays are especially tough this year, so let's at least not spend them in pain. So use code TBNS at checkout to see the evil's difference today. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. As hard as it is to imagine, we are finally, (laughs) finally, in the final week of 2020. Yes, the holidays are over. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, happy all of it to all of you folks. And thank you for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Happy holidays across the board. I know I am... Just finally getting back into the swing of things after celebrating a phenomenal, yes, Christmas season. And uh, as we continue here on The Brian Nichols Show, today we are continuing, of course, with another phenomenal guest. Now, first and foremost, if you did not uh, did not get the chance yet, that is, to go and listen to our awesome conversation that did air a little late. Yes, I, I do confess I did get a little stuck with some, uh, some family events, which obviously family comes first there on Christmas Day. Uh, so you did get the episode a day late. But uh, my conversation with cultural anthropologist Grant McCracken in his amazing new book, The New Honor Code, well, a conversation that wasn't actually his book airs, to, uh, air, is released rather tomorrow. So make sure you go ahead and uh, give uh, yesterday's or last week's episode uh, that is a listen uh, there with Grant McCracken here, though, today on The Brian Nichols Show, joined by Representative Jeremy Faison from Nashville, Tennessee. Now, Representative Faison is joining the program to discuss a number of things. Number one, among them being uh, the ideas of federalism being so important. Now, it is important to rep- recognize uh, the role that Representative Faison plays in uh, in GOP politics and re- Republican uh, world there in Tennessee. He is the Tennessee House Republican Caucus chairperson. So basically, he's you know one of the top ranking GOP members in Tennessee. And with that, we get to hear pretty much not only does he have a very libertarian perspective when it comes to looking at policy, but as do a lot of other folks in the GOP. So we continue this conversation now that we are looking forward into 2021, 2022, and beyond. How do we actually get liberty into action? Is it through the lens of a GOP, the Libertarian Party, or elsewhere? Representative Faison joins the show to discuss all that and more. So with that being said, onto the show, Representative Jeremy Faison here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Good to be with you tonight. Great to have you. Well, thank you first and foremost to our, our uh, mutual friend, Kenny Cody, who is the Cock County GOP chair and a, uh, a, man, a rising star in the 
uh, Republican conservative libertarian circles. He's uh, not only doing great work over in Cock County, um, but he's also doing great work with all the work at uh, Daily Wire and, and the Federalist. He's going to all these great places. So he's one of those people to obviously keep an eye out for. But Representative Thaisen, thank you so much, first and foremost, uh, joining the show. Uh, and Kenny pointed me your way. Uh, you've been doing some great work out in Tennessee. So I wanted to have you on the show because I think right now there is an appeal to uh, start looking at local politics and looking at things more from a, uh, a federalist perspective. And obviously you, with you being the other Republican caucus chairman there in Tennessee for the house, um, I think you have the, uh, one of the leading voices uh, right now in the Tennessee Republican government to, uh, to maybe lead us more towards a federal society. So kind of what got you into government first and foremost, and got you into being a Republican leaning uh, conservative uh, out there in, in Tennessee? Well, it's a great question. My dad was obviously got me interested in politics when I was a little boy. I actually stood at the courthouse and held a Reagan sign back in 1980 when my mom and dad went into the courthouse to vote. And so I've been fascinated with politics ever since the earliest of my memories. What got me in personally into politics is back in 2008 when the nation voted for Barack Obama. I looked at my wife. When Florida, I think it was like at 9.05 that night, Florida went to Obama. And I was like, my gosh, we've just given our country to a socialist slash communist. And nobody was even really talking about what socialism was then back in 2008. But I'm thinking this terror. I said, honey, I'm getting into politics. So I started paying attention to my state representative. Then I had an issue with the Department of Agriculture here in Tennessee. I own a pest control business. And the way one of their inspectors treated me and my business was terrible. And I thought, my gosh, you work for me. I, I mean, I don't work for I don't answer to you. You answer to me. Yeah. And the guy, complete, just an arrogant ass, to, to put it mildly. And so, you know, I added all that together. My state representative was not voting any way that a East Tennessee person should vote. And it, Brian, it's kind of, it, it's a cool story. I went to him one night. I told him about two or three votes that he had taken that I didn't appreciate. And he looked at me and kind of got mad at me and was like, how dare you question me? And he kind of said, you don't even understand what the bills do. And I'm like, well, I know I'm just a country boy, but I mean, I can read pretty well, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, I mean, he just got so frustrated with me. And I, and once again, it's kind of like that thing that happened with the department of ag the same year that would have been in 2009 I was like, well, dude, you, you actually work for us. I mean, you're an elected representative from us. And I mean, you're, you're, you're treating me awful bad right now. And he just got huffy. I mean, he's got red in the face. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I might just run against you. And he, Brian, he looked at me and said, you know, man, that's ridiculous. There's no way you can beat me. And uh, when wow. he said that, have you ever heard of a, somebody getting in politics? So you get the fire in the belly. <laughs> oh, yes. No. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you know what I'm talking about. It lit a fire in my gut like you've never seen. And we came after it. We knocked on, I think, close to like 16,000 doors. And we live in a rural community, so it's a big deal to knock on 16,000 doors. But uh, the Lord gave us favor in 2010, and I was part of one of the waves throughout the nation that took back over state houses because that was that was a midterm for Obama in 2010. And uh, I was able to kind of share my story. And I uh, ran against Barack Obama, if you will, and we beat a Democrat that had been uh, four-term incumbent Democrat, been there for eight years. That's incredible. And one of the, the stats that you gave, which is incredible, you knocked on 16 
Thousand Doors. Now, I had uh, Young Americans for Liberty uh, President Cliff Maloney on the show, and he gave a phenomenal statistic, Jeremy, and this was, it blew my mind, right? One out of every nine doors that his activists go out and knock, they can get a vote. So, just there alone, you probably got ballpark like 1,800 votes just because you went out, you put out the blood, sweat, and tears to go knock on 16,000 doors, and, and that's what needs to be done, but also I think it does, it yields something that I don't think a lot of other politicians do get to experience that is actually engaging with the people that you're supposed to be representing. I think too often you see exactly what you experience as a business owner. You go and you start discussing these very real issues that impact you on a day-to-day basis that are being completely done from your elected official and they look at you like you're just some peon. And I think you're, you're starting to see more of this appeal to, hey, you know what, this person went out of their way to knock on 16,000 doors, including my door, and you know what, that person, they wanted to at least hear me out, I'm going to give that person my vote, and I think people are looking for, right, that person that they can put that trust in, so let's kind of dig into here, you, you've you been talking to people as you've been going out and knocking on said 16,000 doors, what's been the reoccurring theme that you maybe you've you've come across as you've been having these conversations with folks about what's the number one issue that's on their mind that they're hoping for something to be taken care of going forward. Well, ten years ago is different than now. So, uh, ten years ago, knocking on doors. If you remember, we had just been in a horrible recession. Remember, mm-hmm. two thousand eight was the economy was bad, and then you know the Democrats in D.C had done everything to make the economy even worse. So as we knocked on doors back then, it was all about um, jobs and and job security. They, they wanted to know what government was going to do to help us with jobs. They also tax issues were a major issue in Tennessee. For years, we tried to claim that Tennessee was a kind of a low-tax state, but we hadn't proven it. So as I knocked on doors, I heard those predominantly. Where are the jobs? What is government doing to make sure they're getting out of the way so jobs can be created, you know, let industry thrive, cut back all the red tape, all the overburdened government regulations? You know, people are scared to death to go do a, a bureaucrat. So that that was kind of the thing that I was hearing back then. And uh, and when they found out that I was a small business owner, a dad of a couple of children, people are like, you know what, I kind of identify with this guy. And I would tell my story about how the Department of Ag had treated me. Um, if people asked me, why would you run? I told them that story. And they were like, yeah, I've dealt with the uh, department. Or I've had to call an agency in Nashville and set on hold or couldn't get a live person for three days. Wouldn't to get, you know, they, they just get frustrated with the behavior of government officials. And uh, it resonated. And uh, I, th- I think it made the difference. Not only does it make the difference, but I think it is kind of a blueprint, right, of how to to engage in politics going forward. And I think, you know, Young Americans for Liberty as an organization, they're kind of showing that not only does it work, but you kind of are a case study. I, I'm not sure if you – did you work with the Young Americans for Liberty when you ran back in uh, 2009? No, they they, uh, they they weren't part of my race. Now, since then, I've met them, and I, I, I've, I've – I've, Asked them to help a couple of my friends, you know, as a caucus chair, I've asked them to get engaged. But and I know that they they carry a pretty big stick if they if they decide to sink their their workers into an area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
I know they can have a huge impact, but uh, personally, they've never done anything with me. Gotcha. Because I know that's you know, your approach. That is exactly the approach they take. And it is, again, going in and meeting with people and trying to figure out those kind of bed bug issues. And right now, we look into you know the greater, I guess, the, the greater political sphere right now in America. And you see... I, I say a general resentment in, in a two-party system in general, which, you know, as a former, I would say I was a strong uh, Republican. For me, it was kind of, I was very, uh, you know, apprehensive looking at someone like a Donald Trump taking over the uh, the GOP. And and now going to 2020, I'm, I'm looking, you know, is the GOP the pathway to actually advance some of these liberty policies or is it the way I thought it was back in 2016? That is the uh, the pathway through the uh, the Libertarian Party. You know, I've been through a member of the Libertarian Party now up uh, going a couple of, couple of years now. And and you know, with that being said, I've I've definitely questioned: is it worth the the time and effort to try and advance liberty through? an organization that really hasn't gotten its act together. And, you know, I've, I've been saying from day one of my show, I've been doing this for almost three years now, uh, you know, nobody's going to take the Libertarian Party seriously until it takes itself seriously. But I guess I look at you, right? You're you're actually in office right now. You're able to have these conversations and you're, you're really, you're having a more, I would say, impact on actually getting liberty into action than people who are just talking about it. So I guess you know, I, I'm kind of setting you up for, I think, what I know the answer is going to be, but do you think that the GOP is a home for liberty going forward, or, or do you think the libertarians have a, a good argument? The GOP is struggling right now to find truly its identity, and and we'll use we'll use drug usage, uh, criminalization of drugs, or or criminal justice reform as an example. The younger-minded, liberty-minded um, Republicans, such as myself, realize that what we've been doing isn't working. And for us to move forward and have something sustainable as it deals with crime, as it deals with people who are codependent, we have to have a fundamental change in our thinking. And I think right now the GOP is split right down the middle. A lot of the old guard are still like, oh, we got to cuff them and stuff and we got to do this, we got to do that. And it's a major issue, but this is what I've found out by watching these races and I study national politics and I study state politics. I watch all of our states around me. Third party really doesn't have a chance. If you remember, I don't know how old you are, but I remember when Ross Perot went ran back in 1990, he got 18% of the vote. That's the most anybody's ever got in a third party. And since then, I don't think it's been above 3%. So what we need to remember is right now it's not viable to think that the Libertarian Party or the Green Party uh, can do something. So if we know that, let's find liberty-minded Republicans moving forward. And when I say that, I have some very good friends who would call themselves conservatives. But, Brian, they're big government conservatives. And and there's times they've looked at me and they say, Jeremy, you're liberal. And it's not that I'm liberal. Like we had a cell phone bill last year that you get a ticket if you're caught driving using your cell phone. Well, I've openly voted against that. And they say, man, you're, if you were conservative, you'd be voting pro-life and you'd be voting this. You know, you should vote for that bill. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's the deal. Government doesn't have a role in every aspect of my life. So I think for us libertarian people that are – I'm probably the most libertarian-minded politician in Tennessee. We need to find other Republicans who are libertarian-minded. I think there's one day, maybe in the next 10, 15, 20 years, that the Libertarian Party can be viable, but it's not yet. So I know that it's not yet. I'm going to find like-minded Republicans like me and push them. 
And I think that's our best niche right now. We, I mean, we're close. There's probably out of, we have 73 Republicans. There's probably about 25 members of 73 Republicans right now who are very libertarian leaning. And, and, and the rest of them are good guys and I, some of my best friends, but they, they, they're almost more of the big government conservatives, is if you, if you know what I mean, so, especially on social issues. Mm-hmm. Man, we lose every time Republicans lose on social issues. When are we going to realize that government doesn't belong in my wallet and government doesn't belong in my bedroom? The sooner the Republicans realize that and accept that, man, think about how much more attractive we would be to the 22-year-old out there. Oh, goodness. You'd get them on board in a heartbeat. And I think, you know, what's funny is that what you're you're promoting as a message, right, is is very, I would say, overtly libertarian as it was back when the Libertarian Party was started back in the 70s, which is frustrating because, you know, I'd say libertarians as a, as a philosophy have the right answers. And you see that because, to your point, the number of people who they're Republican, but they say, hey, I candidly am technically a libertarian in my philosophy, you know, with the, the few exceptions here and there. But there's something that's that, that really is telling that they don't look at the Libertarian Party as a viable and you, you candidly admit it as much. It's not a viable alternative right now. And I would say, you know, I just had a gentleman on my show who he's presenting an alternative uh, in his perspective of what the Libertarian Party should be doing from um, you know a, a strategy. And he was saying, you know, the Libertarian Party should focus all of its efforts to play spoiler in elections where they actually have a chance. And I said, well, hold on. What about the if that actually causes some negative implications from a liberty perspective? Like, yes, we can try and play spoiler and say, now you have to pay attention to us. But in the meantime, if you're playing spoiler and you're leading to less positive forms of liberty being enacted, so, you know, to the, the net negative, then I would say that that shouldn't be a, a strategy. So I guess, you know, what, what's kind of your perspective when you're looking at this strategy? You know, should we be aiming to get as much liberty as possible or should libertarians be maybe embracing this idea of trying to play spoiler and get the other two parties to gravitate more towards libertarian positions? Well, I think the answer is yes <laughs> on, on your question. I, 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 I can't reiterate enough that I don't, I don't, we're not in a place in America that a third party has a chance. So that being said, I personally am going to push the envelope every time that I carry bills. I'm going to push the envelope for freedom. I, I'll tell you the very first bill I filed, I filed a week ago for this year's, um, we have a, a, a law enforcement agency that went and put cameras on a person's property to trap them uh, illegally baiting um, waterfowl. Wow. Now, listen, I don't think the illegally baiting waterfowl, it's a federal crime, it's a state crime. I, I obviously, I don't think it's right. But however, we have a thing called due process. We have a thing called the Fourth Amendment. You have a right to privacy of your own property. And this law enforcement agency went on his property, put up cameras, and surveilled him for months without a judge's warrant, without anything. And so I would say this, and I hope if you tweet anything that Jeremy says, I would say a surveilled society is not a free society. And so my first bill is saying you can't go and put up cameras on a person's property without having a warrant from an elected official. we've lost more freedoms to unelected officials than anybody. Everything, like all these health-related boards in America right now, taking away people's freedom to congregate and do this and that and do that. Man, that's nuts. 
they don't even answer to anybody. The only person who should be able to make a decision about the governance of your life is somebody who has to be voted on. And so I'm always going to be back on that. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was the one interrupting, saying "Amen," because honestly, that's one of the things. I, I mean, I, I had a gentleman on my show, William F. Buckley O'Reilly, and he was the uh, the chairman pro tem of the Federalist Party Society of America back in, oh my goodness, 2018, I believe, and. One of the main focuses of the Federalist Party of America was entirely that of trying to focus on getting governance to be more local. Because, I mean, to your point, right? Like, government shouldn't be involved in in your your home, in your bedroom. Like, that's that's not its role. The role, if any role, right, should be just for the, the grander. Let's just like maybe go to the Constitution, use that as a starting off point, right? And and you know, we could, you could have your anarchist capitalists that will say, well, hold on, you look at the Constitution we have now, and we got to where we are today. So maybe it's not a great starting off point, but you know, I, I would say that the, the, at the very least, the founders had the right starting off point in the ideas. We need to kind of go back and embrace those ideas. And I actually just um, had a conversation talking about honor, right? Instilling honor into society again. We like we need to get back to not looking at the government to be the arbiter of what is good and bad and instead really put that back into the, the society, really back into the people holding each other and holding yourselves accountable. I, you know, I had a gentleman on my show named Gary Collins, and he talks about what's called the simple life, living off the grid, but focusing on your three-legged stool, trying to focus on um, your, your personal um, financial health, your, your sense of purpose, and your physical health. And I mean, if, if we can just like all get back to focusing on ourselves, getting ourselves to be the best version of ourselves, and then to be with ourselves being the best version of ourselves, the best version of ourselves for our communities, and and then that extrapolates you know going forward and beyond, and that's something I think we need to get back to. And I think a federalist approach is at the the very least the best starting off point to go, to move forward that. Yeah, totally agreed. We, yeah, you and I are in the same ballpark. And uh, here's the deal. I, I, I think a lot of, especially liberals, they look at government as a person who gives you your rights. People like you and I, we think government should protect our rights. We've already got our rights. We don't need you to give them to me. I've got them already. Thank you very much. I, I want you to protect them. And that's it, right? And I think liberals look at leftists, they're looking at government as somebody who can give them rights. And when I say give them rights by controlling me and what I do, that might secure their rights. Instead of just saying, hey, you all have the same amount of rights. You don't. You all have the same playing field, but we can't guarantee you the same outcome. And liberals want to have the same guaranteed outcome as everybody else, as somebody who works hard and gives it all they got. No, that's not government's role to make sure you have a guaranteed outcome. Government's proper role is to make sure you have the chance to work for whatever outcome you want to work for, right? Oh, for sure. And one of the things that you were going forward about, it made me think, you know, when you look at when you're trying to actually advance liberty into action, right? I, I think we are at the point where it's starting to make more sense that we need to start getting the actual policy wins into action instead of trying to change people's minds and then get the policy into action. I think it, it kind of has to go hand in hand, but the policy going into action is going to make people's lives objectively better. And then we can point back to that and say, hey, look, at that was a direct result of A. And if we can tie exactly back to A and say, well, listen, you know, did you not like 
uh, paying taxes before? Well, here, you know, you, we can cut out X amount per, per, per month. Is that better? Do you, do you objectively like having, you know, less money taken from your paycheck every single month? And I think the answer would be a resounding, well, yes. And as we start to see the objective good being, you know, and that is a, obviously a, just one example, but as you see the objective good start to build up more and more and more, it builds up our, our case study, right? And I think, that goes to kind of like the, the way I wanted to to focus the, the show as we wrap up is how do we get people on board with the message? Is it through policy, which I think is maybe the way that I'm leaning, or is it through you know having to have um, you know the, the education, the 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 group group uh, tanks or three think tanks that is uh, trying to go out and, and get people educated? What what do you think is the the best way to actually get folks on board with the messaging and actually embrace the concepts of liberty? So the most powerful thing you and I know as humans is the power of the spoken word. The, you have somebody who can deliver truth in a picturesque way. It is powerful. And I, I think as we move forward trying to advance liberty, we have to find the people who know how to speak truth in such a way and speak truth, freedom in such a way. And I'll give an example. When all this has been going on about COVID, there's a few times I've tweeted you do understand that everything the government passes, ordinance, laws, rules, they eventually will enforce with a gun. That, and that sounds radical at first, but I've had several people reach out to me and say, you know what, Jeremy, I, I read, I kind of ran it down through my mind. I didn't understand what you were saying, but now I've thought it through and everything, we, every law we pass, it's eventually enforced with a gun. That, that, that's scary to think that everything we do is if you don't comply, it'll be uh, eventually enforced with a gun. So I, so moving forward, obviously we want to continue to try to push the envelope every time we get for freedom when it comes to creating policy. But simultaneously with that, we need somebody speaking the truth in such a way that the general public's like, wow, I think they're on to something there. <laughs> you know, that, that one, of the, I enjoy watching Prager. Uh, videos. I mean, some, you, you watch some Prager videos and you're like, dang, I don't know that I can argue with him right now. I mean, he just spoke truth in such a way that uh, I don't think my truth matters. You, you see what I'm saying, Brian? As we're moving policy, we need to make sure we have people like you who are nonstop hitting the airwaves and making sure we are flooding people's conscience that, with what truth is. Yes. And how what was it that made America the strongest nation in the history of the world? What was it that made America be able to do more good for more people than any other nation in the history of the planet? We've done more good for more people than any other nation. What was it? How did we, how were we able to generate more wealth than any other nation had until the industrial revolution when we, when we led the world in wealth? How did we do that? There's basic principles that did that. And capitalism is the top of it. Some people would say it's greed, but it's not. It's the greatest way to lift people out of poverty. So I think people like you, people who can just speak truth plainly, eloquently every day, and then find people who get into politics that are willing to try their best to push it forward, I think we can move forward. Yeah, I smile because uh, I was just thinking, you know, going to, to 2024, you know, I had mayor of, of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs, on the show back a, a few months ago. And, you know, I look at somebody like him and, and somebody maybe like a Rand Paul or somebody 
in that you know that kind of um that role could they be an advocate for liberty on a national stage that would win over the hearts and minds so i guess i would ask you who do you think looking to 2024 could be the the standard bearer and let's look at the GOP because that is um, obviously your expertise um wh- who who do you think could be the, that standard bearer that would actually carry the message are of liberty about, Are you talking about federal politics? Yeah, yeah, looking looking at a, like a, like for the president if if we had to pick for a, a candidate going in forward to 2024. Well, obviously I I'm a I'm a big fan of Rand Paul. Um Rand's problem is he doesn't have the you got to also have the pizzazz, the likability, and I hope he's not listening to this because it's making mad, but he doesn't have that <laughs> likability, but I, I'm looking for somebody like him. I had lunch with Glenn Jacobs today, and I would love to see him in federal politics one day. Um, you know, that's a great question. Somebody who's intrigued me right now is Governor Christy Nome moving forward. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly impressed with her ability to govern through this, and she is unapologetically for freedom. I'm impressed with what, how she's governed. I'm impressed with uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida, um, watching how he's doing. I think he's got some good ideas too. So I, those are two people. I, I would I wouldn't be upset if I saw them make a ticket. Would you? I don't think I would be too upset, honestly. I mean, looking at what she was doing, especially Christy Nome in South Dakota. I mean, and that's <laughs> that's where I think the LP has really dropped the ball because I was saying, you know, the LP being the party of absolute radical liberty should be saying, what the hell are we doing with these lockdowns? Like, let's let's have a stand for individual liberty, a stand for businesses not being deemed, you know, essential or non-essential. And she's in South Dakota and she's fighting the good fight. I think we need more folks like her who are going to stand up on the very fundamental key issues that we as just you know just people being a human being being allowed to just decide what you can do in your own life to live your life so long as you're not harming someone else or taking their stuff i don't think that's a that's i don't think that's too controversial yeah my governor said when he was running two years ago he said we have to remember that government is not the answer to all of our problems and and (laughs) I, I echo that. I, I applaud that. That that that's the truth. And unfortunately, when government tries to be the answer to our problems, that's when we really just screw up. When we take on roles that we had no <laughs> business taking on. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Representative Jeremy Faison, I, I wanted to thank you first and foremost for t- coming on the show tonight. And really, we had a great conversation. I think it's a great snapshot, right, of what we can do as as you know advocates in the greater liberty movement to actually get things done. So obviously, it's going to be a reoccurring conversation here. Uh, I think you know having you on the show in the future to kind of look and see where things are going and to see the wins that we can objectively start to measure. And this is the the best part, right? Now we can start to build up the yeah. the resume. We can start to build up these wins and. Show show the merits of getting liberty into action, whatever means that may be, whether it's the GOP, LP, heck, I don't care as long as we get liberty into win, make liberty win. That's right. Hey, Merry Christmas, man. Thanks for letting me speak to you. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo and his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So, head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, 
and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his grand mayonnaise conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo, available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Representative Jeremy Faison, and I really, really enjoyed that conversation because this is this is going to be the important conversation going forward. How do we actually make some real substantive changes and promote liberty policy into action to make real people's lives better? And this is the conversation that we not only need to have, but we as libertarians need to, to start having more of a conversation in, in all seriousness, because... If we're wanting to actually see things get better, we need to start actually getting things done and, and actually putting policy into action. And that is candidly what folks like Representative Faison in the Republican Party who are of this liberty mindset are actually doing. And I do I have to say, I will take some electoral success in terms of actually getting some policy with these liberty Republicans, much like the Young Americans for Liberty approach than just trying to be a purist libertarian. So I say that because first and foremost, if you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure you share with family and friends, tag me at Liberty. you know the drill, Facebook, Twitter, Minds.com, and yes, of course, Parlor.com at Liberty. Uh, but I say that because coming up here on Wednesday's show... I have Mark Clare, awesome Mark Clare, who is, of course, ready to roar from Lions of Liberty. Uh, and as he gets ready to roar, we're roaring about what is happening in the LP. We need the LP to take itself seriously, right? And and with that, if we want to actually enact some libertarian policy via using candidates who are representing the libertarian party, well, my goodness, folks need to actually look at us as a viable alternative. So we discuss, oh, yes, strap in some libertarian drama and some infighting and Really, this this big schism that there has been between uh, some, I would say, more of the uh, the the pragmatic folks, I guess uh, that's the approach, and the Mises folks, and and it's just a it's a whole thing that I think uh, you know Mark and I uh, as podcast hosts who have had folks on from all walks of life, from Mises to uh, to you know the the, the pragmatics to to more left leaning libertarians, to have had you know d- goodness democratic socialists on the show for crying out loud. I think we're looking more at how we can actually have real, you know, conversations that people care about. And and Mark's doing phenomenal work over at Lines of Liberty. So, uh, coming up here on Wednesday, you're going to get a fantastic conversation between Mark and myself and trying to figure out what the heck is going on here in this uh, greater libertarian movement. So, don't miss that episode. And how do you make sure you don't miss that episode? Head over to your favorite podcast catcher. Hit subscribe, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts, just make sure you hit that subscribe button so you are not missing a single phenomenal episode here on The Brian Nichols Show. So guys, that's all I have for you as we're heading into the final stretch here of 2020. So that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for Representative Jeremy Faison. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.